One, two, three. Well, welcome back today to Highest Potential. I'm Steve Pettit, president of Bob Jones University. And first of all, let me apologize. It's been a long time since we've had a podcast, and so we're coming back and getting back on the air. Uh, it's been a very busy semester, but uh, glad to have you back with us. And today we're we're kicking it off with a with a tremendous uh, message and story today uh, from a gentleman named Dr. Kelvin Cochran. Uh, he, it was our privilege to have him speak today in our presidential leadership series here at Bob Jones University, and our students loved it. Uh, they were inspired and uh, they were blessed. And so, Dr. Cochran, thank you for being with us today. It is my pleasure to be with you today, Dr. Thank Patty. you. Thank you so much. So Dr. Cochran is the Senior Vice President of Human Resources and Faith Initiatives with Alliance Defending Freedom. Alliance Defending Free Freedom is a team of attorneys uh, who have assisted ministries all over the world. And uh, I'll let uh, Dr. Cochran say more about it, but he has a tremendous story about uh, how God worked in his life as a little boy all the way up through his career as a firefighter and how he got to where he is today. So, Dr. Cochran, let's just start and uh, tell us your story. Well, Dr. Pettit, I'm one of those kids in America that at a very early age, um, I experienced seeing a fire across the alley that we lived in and seeing those firefighters that day. Uh, I was smitten, and I looked at my mom and my three big brothers and two little sisters and said, I want to be a fireman when I grow up. But prior to that day, uh, we had uh, been going through a lot of changes in our family because my dad uh, left my mother. He was having his own personal struggles. He was an alcoholic, and he had another woman besides my mom, and he left our family for that family. And things began to get very, very uh, much worse after dad left. And uh, we were on welfare and food stamps, and we still struggle even though my mom needed government assistance. But what happened, she decided that she was going to rededicate her life to Christ, mm. and we joined the Galilee Baptist Church at the top of the alley, and things began to turn around for our family. Even though poverty didn't immediately turn around, uh, Jesus began to turn things around. Amen. And uh, we were, as kids, we were encouraged to dream big. Grown-ups always ask us what we wanted to be when we grew up. And so my responses would always be the same. Uh, I wanted a family uh, because there were men at the Galilee Church who were married, who had children around our age, my brothers and sisters and I, and they just seemed happier than we were. Mm. They were dressed a whole lot nicer than we were dressed. And so that gave me a vision of what God intended a family to be. And I wanted a family like that when I grew up. And I just did not want to be poor. And of course, I wanted to be a firefighter. And so they taught us uh, all of our dreams were going to come true if we believed in and had faith in God, if we went to school and got a good education, mm. if we respected grownups and treated other children like we want to be treated. They said, all of your dreams are going to come true. And that's what shaped my life. Wow. And uh, my dreams, all of those dreams, Dr. Pettit, has actually come true. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, you now you grew up in Louisiana, in Shreveport. Yes. And Shreveport's what, up in the north, right near the Texas border? Yeah, it's in the northwest uh, corner of the state. It's about uh, eight miles from Texas. 
in about 30 miles from Arkansas. I see. Okay. Yeah. And that was your hometown growing up. Yes. So uh, you you got up and you were, you were growing up. And so what, what were the next big moves in your life? Yeah, so I became a firefighter in 1981. My childhood dream came true. But there was, those were challenging days, Dr. Pettit, because I was one of the first African-American firefighters on the Shreveport Fire Department. And it was difficult because we weren't wanted. And so if you can imagine being one of the first <coughs> African-Americans in a predominantly white fire station, we were not treated very well. There was a constant slate of racial slurs. There was a bed designated for the black firefighters so that the white firefighters on the other shifts could avoid sleeping in that bed when their shift came on duty. Uh, and it was a very difficult time. So it was real racism. Yes, it's real life, real time racism. Right. And uh, But the way I was raised, those principles and values that I was taught got me through even those days, mm. but they were specific to the fire service. So certainly still believe in and have faith in God was key to mm. getting through those difficult days, uh, educating myself on the fire department is operations and being knowledgeable about the job was high on the list because it was determined that black men couldn't, didn't have the intelligence to do what firefighters uh, were required to do. So educating myself on the job was a high order. Uh, respecting the authority of the Shreveport Fire Department in spite of how I was treated was important. And then treating the other firefighters like I wanted to be treated was also important. Same principles I was taught as a kid got me through those difficult days. And the favor of God, because of uh, those life applications, was on my career. Uh, I became a captain in four years. It usually takes about 12 to 15 years to become wow. a captain. In 10 years, I became an assistant chief. It usually takes about 22 to 25 years. Wow. And in 18 years, I became the fire chief of the Shreveport Fire Department, the first ever African-American. And I don't believe that would have happened if I would have taken a harsh, uh, angry, uh, bitter tone uh, towards my white brothers as to the way they were treating me. But God put it in my heart that what was going to win them over was professionalism, hard work, dedication, and commitment, uh, and treating them respect with respect even though I was not receiving the same. And those biblical principles true mm. proved true. Uh, and I was elevated to the highest position in the department at a time that nobody thought it was possible. And God's blessing was on me as the fire chief in Shreveport. And eight years after serving in that capacity, I was actually recruited to come to serve as fire chief of the city of Atlanta under the Honorable Mayor Shirley Franklin. She was a wonderful boss, and I served her for two years. But when President Obama was elected, uh, I was asked to serve as the United States Fire Administrator, the highest fire official in the United States of America, coming from a five-year-old kid having a dream on the front porch of a shotgun house, mm. now the highest fire official in the country. Nobody but God can make dreams come true like that. But I was there for a year. Atlanta had elected a new mayor. They had not even filled my vacancy in the year that I had left. Mm. Uh, he came to to Washington, D.C., and recruited me to come back to Atlanta to serve as his fire chief. I served him faithfully for five years. We actually transformed the public safety climate in Atlanta to where it was one of the safest cities in the country. Mm. Uh, but 
along the way, as I was serving in my faith in my own private time, I wrote a book for a Christian men Bible study called Who Told You That You Were Naked? And the theme of the book was how Christian men can overcome the stronghold of condemnation. Mm. But a few pages I spoke about biblical marriage and biblical sexuality because Christian men still have a struggle with sexual sin. So I wanted to talk about what the Bible says about sex and sexuality. And uh, unfortunately, it was those few paragraphs that cost me my childhood dream come true fairy tale career. An openly gay Atlanta City Council member discovered what I had written about biblical marriage and sexuality. He was offended by what the Bible said, complained to the Honorable Mayor Kasim Reed, who supported their agenda and uh, those values. And uh, I was suspended initially for 30 days. And after the 30-day suspension, when I came back to work, surprisingly, I was terminated. Wow. So as I'm sitting here listening to your story, it's almost like there's part one, and now you're getting ready to go to part two. Because part one, if I would summarize it is, Jesus said, he that is great among you will be the servant of all. And as you so eloquently said in chapel today, when you, when you talk about, you know, the greatness of people in the Bible, uh, you have Joseph as a servant, you have Moses as a servant, you have obviously Jesus as a servant, and you, you stuck to your principles because leadership, true leadership, is both proactive and principle-based, working with people, collaborative in a servant leadership mentality. Absolutely, yeah. One of my favorite scriptures that I had plastered on my wall when I was a training captain in Shreveport, Louisiana, I believe it's Matthew 23, 11, 12. It says, the more lowly your service to others, the greater you are. To be the greatest, be a servant. Amen. For those who think themselves great shall be disappointed and humbled, and those who humble themselves shall be exalted. Wow. So you, 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 you came through the period of serving with a uplifting and exaltation. Then now we come into part two. What's that all about? Well, when I was terminated, I discovered that there was a Christian law firm. I didn't know you could put those two words in the same sentence, Christian and law firm. But right. there was a Christian law firm called Alliance Defending Freedom, who uh, introduced themselves to me and said that they would be happy to take on my case. Uh, And I shared with them, hey, this case could go on quite a while. Uh, I don't know that I have the finances to to fight this fight. Mm. Uh, And they said, hey, no worries. We will do it pro bono. It won't cost you a dime. And so uh, by the grace of God, uh, ADF stepped up. It was like the scripture Uh, Isaiah 59 and 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. Mm. And I believe Alliance Defending Freedom is a standard that God has lifted up for sons and daughters who have the courage and grace to stand and fight for their freedom of speech and freedom of of religion and to speak the truth without the fear of consequences. So after a four-year legal journey with Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, I was vindicated. Uh, my First Amendment rights were determined to have been violated by the city of Atlanta, uh, and the city of Atlanta had to settle um, 
my case, and um, by the grace of God, I won. But the victory was not just for me. Right. It's a precedent that no government employee has to fear consequences for living out their faith and publicly expressing it while they are serving and working for the government. So today in in your speech to our student body, which, by the way, um, not only did they greatly love and appreciate, but were were greatly helped by what you said. And you said the subtitle of your message was The Blessings of Suffering. Could you expound on that a little bit more? Because I think there are a lot of people listening who everybody in life wants to be successful. Nobody wants to be a failure. But you also said that a part of the whole experience of our life is is suffering for God's glory's sake. Yes, yes. The Christian walk of faith is comprised of just a cycle of level plains, mountain climbs, and valleys. It's just an ongoing cycle, level plains, mountain climbs, and valleys. And those mountain climbs and valleys have sufferings as a part of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I discovered from studying the scripture, there's self-inflicted sufferings and God-allowed sufferings. Of course, both of them are self-explanatory. The self-inflicted ones, we bring it on ourselves. There's consequences for Mm -hmm. deviating from the scripture and the word of God that we bring on ourselves. And then God-allowed sufferings has nothing to do with what we've done. But in God's sovereignty, sometimes, even with his own children, He allows sufferings to come in our life to really build our character and prepare us for uh, a divine assignment. Mm -hmm. And so I really, those, those two things came to, to, came to uh, reality to me when I was terminated. I looked back over my life, Dr. Pettit, and just saw uh, a cycle of seasons of, um, of God-allowed sufferings and self-inflicted sufferings. In my case, mostly self-inflicted right, sufferings. Right. But the joy about God allowed, uh, the joy of both types of sufferings, as a son or a daughter of God, is all of our sufferings work together for good when we mm-hmm. love God and are called according to His purposes. Our, my collective sufferings prepared, prepared me to have the courage and grace to stand when I was terminated from mm-hmm. employment. Mm-hmm. As fire chief of the city of Atlanta, there are blessings in suffering. Jesus said, whatever you lose standing for me, I will restore it 100 fold in this life with persecution, which means the suffering yeah, is not yeah. going to end. But you, you don't have to ever be concerned about permanent losses when you suffer and stand for Christ. Jesus said, I'll replace whatever that is Amen. 100 times greater. Yeah, I thought you, you you gave our students points, and you you encouraged them to take notes. I have no idea if they they did, but I did. <laughs> and you said you said when your day comes, God's going to prepare you. Yes. You said there are worldly consequences for standing for biblical truth, so you have to expect it. Yes. You said there are kingdom consequences that are greater than the loss of worldly consequences. You took good notes. I did. <laughs> and uh, then you said, God is glorified when we stand. Um, and uh, let's see, God is glorified when we stand. And when we stand, we see a side of God that we would have never seen before. That's right. Like like the four, three Hebrew children in the fire. That's right. They saw something they would have never seen. And then you said, um, your life, there's a life of blessing that goes to a different level. Uh, when they have the courage to stand. Yes, sir. And uh, 
So as you're, you're working today, what's, what is your passion now? My passion is still serving people, but I do it uh, currently in the capacity of Senior Vice President of Human Resources and Faith Initiatives for Alliance Defending Freedom. On the human resources side, I'm the administrator of all things related to our people, uh, hiring good people, keeping good people, uh, making sure that there are programs, services, and benefits to meet the needs of our people, mm -hmm. to cause them to want to stay at Alliance Defending Freedom from the date of hire until the day that they retire. Right. right. On the faith initiative side, I'm responsible for what we call the Generational Winds Prayer Initiative. Uh, we're in uh, the process of recruiting 1 million, uh, excuse me, 10 million prayer intercessors over the next wow. 10 years to pray for uh, that all can speak freely, that religious liberty prevails, that the sanctity of life is uh, guaranteed, that marriage and family are protected, and that parental rights are also guaranteed. Those are things we call the five generational wins that we believe are necessary to keep the doors open for the gospel from one generation to the next. And so uh, if any of the listeners want to become a part of that 10 million, uh, they simply need to go to ADF legal forward slash prayer, and they can become one of those 10 million to pray for those things. And then also I'm responsible for uh, encouraging believers who are attacked for living out their faith uh, because I've walked through that experience. Uh, all of our clients who are going through that now, I have somewhat of a pastoral role in right. praying with them, <clears throat> meeting them, talking to them, encouraging them that what God did for me, he can also do yeah. for them. You can stand with them in the fire because you've been there. Yes, sir. And understand how God brings you through. Yes, sir. I'm sure you're a blessing, yes. and I'm sure it's a blessing to you. You know, the the so Paul says in 2 Corinthians that God is the God of all comfort and who comforts us in all our tribulations that we might be able to be a comfort to them who are in any tribulation. So uh, years ago, someone, I've heard young people say, I want to have a ministry. I said, well, here's how you get to have a ministry, suffer, and now you got something to say. That's right, yeah. And that you can actually give, you can, God actually allows you to give that person strength, which is the idea of comfort that, that you have received from the Lord. And now that comfort is not a one and done. That's right. It's, it's his eternal experience that you can pass on to others. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, you know, in the United States of America, we've have, we have to have a paradigm shift in our spirit and in our walk of faith where we just, Jesus says you're expected. If you want to gonna live a godly life, you should expect persecution because right. they hate him, so they're gonna hate us. Yeah. And uh, so just expect it. But there's a joy to it, Dr. Pettit. It should not be a, a, a despair. It should not be something that we cringe to think about or try to avoid when it comes. I know this is gonna sound crazy to the listeners, but we should look forward to the day that sufferings come to knock on our door, especially the sufferings that come for us standing publicly and courageously right. for Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, uh, there are so many of those stories to where uh, the, the apostles or Saul had been stoned or beaten, 
And they, they, afterwards, they were celebrating. They were rejoicing because they were stoned and beaten. I remember the story when Paul was stoned and they took him out and left him for dead. And when he came to back to consciousness, he went right back to preaching in the same place that they had stoned him. He didn't go on vacation. No, he did not. And he didn't say, I'm not going to ever do that again. And I think it was Peter and James that said, don't ever preach the name of Jesus again. Don't ever mention that name. And they were beaten and flogged, and they rejoiced because they had took that beating for Jesus. And they kept on using mm. it and saying the name of Jesus. In the United States of America, believers just don't have that level of strength and disposition. We're afraid we're going to lose a job or afraid we're going to lose some church members or afraid we're not going to get reelected or afraid we're going to lose a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a government contract. So we keep our mouths shut rather than speaking truth. And uh, it really, really diminishes mm. uh, the name of Jesus mm. publicly. And you know, another thing I've discovered, lost people are not drawn to cowardly Christians. No. Lost people, when they see bold Christians standing on and willing to take losses for living out their faith, they come running to Jesus when yeah. they see that kind of courage. That's why China, one of the most oppressive nations in the world, the the conversions to Christianity are just skyrocketing in right. China because they're living out their faith and suffering right. persecution. And lost people want to be a part of something that's that bold right, that exactly. you're willing to sacrifice that to be a part of it. They're saying, I want that kind of Lord in my oh, yeah. life. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. something real. Yeah. There's a reality to yeah. it. Yeah. Well, thank you I'm so much. I'm getting carried away talking yeah. about this. Oh, listen, listen, uh, listen. We we in in it and it was an incredibly encouraging uh, chapel. It came at a at a right time. So you came to the kingdom for such a time as this, for our student body and our faculty and staff. So thank you for your ministry among us, Dr. Cochran, and the Lord bless you in all that you do as you serve uh, with Alliance Defending Freedom. It's been a blessing, Dr. Pettick, and God bless Bob Jones University. Thank you.